0: I'd like to call on um, Dr. Michael Thompson, and he's gonna share what words he shared in our Bible study today. Would you come, please? And Chris, would you help me pass out um, to everybody in honor of our fathers and mothers. Mike, you wanna use this or that pulpit, whatever you choose.
1: I didn't. Ooh, boy! I better back up a little bit. <laughs> I didn't realize until the third stanza on "Shine on Us" that this was Michael W. Smith, one of my favorite uh, uh, current uh, musicians that uh, sings on many different programs, and I've listened to him on both TBN TV and. Daystar, and I think he even was on the Catholic Channel once too that I get into my home So Lord let your light shine on us and your grace and your love and it was exemplified And I'm just gonna punch in my phone here a second because it gives me a reminder of those that uh, we need to hold in our prayers Um, I brought to the Bible study this morning a a message from uh, going to Applebee's last evening on my wife's 77th birthday, and uh, the leader of the discussion picked up on it immediately that she was a serving uh, person that was being led by the Lord so that we would remember Jamie in our prayers. Now, Jamie was our waitress for four people, and we were having a high-end meal at uh, Applebee's because it was my wife's 77th birthday. Now, my wife never lets me catch up to her because I'm a September birthday, and I'm still 75 for another three months, but uh, she doesn't hold it against me. We have uh, uh, three grown sons and a daughter who works with little children out of the St. Cloud area, but the daughter lives in Alexandria where I practiced in medicine for most of my career. Now the other people that we're bringing a greeting from is also um, Warren is aged 98 and he was here a couple Sundays ago and uh, gave a testimony. Uh, He is now uh, On death's door and may not uh, survive the the week and so I want to get to see him because he's been asking for me and I mentioned that we uh, gave him a trip in my little old uh, 98 Sunbird convertible uh, to Lake Manitonka that he knew real well from his youth and uh, um, he wants to see me before he goes to his heavenly reward that's Warren And then uh, the other ones are uh, Joel, uh, who was here with uh, Warren a few Sundays ago. Before his surgery, he's recovering at age 74. Uh, He overdid a little bit too much uh, visiting with Warren uh, yesterday, so he didn't make it here to church, but I'll try and get him here for the uh, Father's Day uh, sermon next Sunday. Uh, The little waitress that waited on us, Jamie, She asked for prayers because she's uh, 35 at best. I don't know her exact age, but she has uh, only 20% function of her kidneys. And so we prayed in Bible study about her. Uh, She's lost a grandmother and a mother with a similar problem, so it could be polycystic kidney disease. And I noticed that in the meantime, I had texted my brother, uh, my youngest brother. I'm from a big family of eight children And my youngest brother uh, was married many years ago and has a boy and a girl out in California. Uh, And uh, his wife is still alive from his first marriage, but they they went through a divorce. But he just remarried a gal from Georgia. And uh, when they went uh, to the altar, they kind of had to limp up there because they had a car accident in Georgia. And his new wife broke her thumb, and he busted some bones in his left hand, and uh, so he had picked up on my message that I had sent him, and he said he's praying for Jamie, the waitress, also. So I just wanted to bring that uh, to the mention of those here that are, are, were so nice to pray for my brother before his surgery. He's surviving. It's a, it's a long road back. And the Lord is sovereign, and we thank him and praise his uh, name. And ho- I hope to get to the minister ministry next Sunday, which will be for Father's Day. And maybe by that time, uh, Joel will be strong enough to come with us. Thank you.
0: Amen. Give the Lord a round of applause for those many prayer requests. Father, we just glorify your name today, and we give you the applause and all the glory. We do pray that as Dr. Mike goes to see Warren, that it would bring feelings and spirit of encouragement as he transitions from this life to the next. We pray for Jamie, too, as their television audience and all those by way of radio and television and YouTube and... Remember not only the Thompsons and and Jamie's family, but the many families the Lord are experiencing challenges, medical challenges. There are many by way of television that that are struggling economically and physically and, and spiritually. And as we come to uplift the many needs, we, Father, you know the names and the faces of those. We thank you, Father, um, for Chris being with us. We thank you for the Larson family. We thank you for the celebration of life yesterday as we all celebrated Katie's life. We just pray that as Chris comes now and and shares his testimony and his words of encouragement, and as I circulate um, Katie's um, memorial folder and a picture of, of Chris and Katie, Katie here at church during the blessing the mics. we just thank you for the many blessings that you've been bringing to our, our many prayer requests we pray in Jesus name. Amen Chris would you feel comfortable come up in and in the pulpit You just got to remember that whether you use that one or this one When you back out of this one, there's there's about six inch drop Why don't you try using this one here?
1: Thank you. Yesterday was, was the most wonderful, beautiful, loving, caring, tender, everything that you can even imagine. And uh, if I had words to say, they would fall far short <laughs> of the, the reality. And I I, I thank you so much for your love and your prayers. I was given special prayers by a few of the parish that could make it to this service, and I read those special notes when I got home. And thank you so much for being there for us.
0: Father God, I just want to thank you. You remind us in your word that you become the helpmate to those that have lost their loved ones, and we just pray for Jeff and Michelle, and especially Chris as he goes through this very mountainous times of valleys and mountaintops. We pray that he's all, always has his Christian family here, his church family, and continue to bless him and keep him as you strengthened him. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank bless you, brother. Thank bless you. My amen. I'm circulating a, 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 some cards there. As we uh, turn to our opening hymn, you may want to stand. I called a nursing home this morning and brought birthday wishes for Ethel Emery, and, and Gary Gross, as many of you have been reminded, Gary, is, it's not his 100th birthday, but it's his 76th birthday, but, and it's Ethel's 100th. So, would you stand with me as we turn to How Great Thou Art, Purple Hymnals number 77, Purple Hymnals number 77, please? Sings my soul, my Saviour God, to thee. Thank you. You may be seated. And let us turn to our scripture reading. It's taken from Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, verses 49 through 58. As we make our way through the Gospel of Dr. Luke, the next few months here, we find in this passage of scripture, Jesus is restoring to life Luke chapter 8 verses 49 through the end of the chapter. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the leader's house, Jairus' house, to say, your daughter is dead. Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher Jesus any longer. Now, when Jesus heard this, he replied, Do not fear. Say it with me. Do not fear. Only believe and she will be saved. When he came to the house, he did not, Jesus did not allow anyone to enter with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. And you you can imagine that they were all weeping and wailing for her. But Jesus said, Do not weep. Say it with me. Do not weep. For she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed. They laughed at Jesus, knowing that she was dead. But Jesus took her by the hand and called out, Child, get up this child's spirit returned and she got up at once then jesus directed them to give her something to eat her parents were astounded as you can imagine astounded but jesus ordered them not to tell no one what had happened may god bless the reading and the hearing of his word
2: good morning brothers and sisters good morning while Jesus was speaking to the woman that was healed by merely touching his, his fringe of his cloak, a servant came to Jairus and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble teacher anymore. It was as if he felt guilty for being the bearer of bad news and wanted to stop Jairus from bothering Jesus. The servant's like a face said the child was dead, And there was no point in bothering Jesus about it. But Jesus didn't accept this. He gave this reply to Jairus, do not fear, only believe, and she will be made well. I'd say the key word here is believe. Because consistent belief is the cornerstone of faith. He told him to believe. To overcome his initial overwhelming sense of grief and loss. The sense of grief was replaced when Jesus said, with what Jesus said by hope and and faith. So Jesus, Jairus, Peter, John, and James entered the house. As they entered, they noticed every and everybody inside was mourning and wailing and crying about the child's death. Jesus saw this. And he assured them that the child was not dead, only sick. I said everyone inside, because it was a custom back then, when people lost loved ones or friends, they would invite people into their homes to mourn with them. They were basically professional mourners. The professional mourners were only there to grieve superficially. And so they responded to Jesus' claim to get up with mocking and sarcastic laughter. After all, they knew that this child had died. And they were there to prove it, to mourn. He then grabbed the lifeless child's hand of the girl, said, child, arise. And her spirit returned to her body. The audience his present thought Jesus was either telling a bad joke or he was just crazy. They didn't share the father's or, of course, Jesus' faith. But the father's reaction was probably different. His faith mingled with his reaction. It's like when you heard Jesus announce that she was not dead, only sick. Hope was resting within his faith. Upon hearing Jesus say, Arise, the child got up immediately. The Bible says her spirit returned because it left her body when she died. But her spirit only left until the time when Jesus told her to arise. Then her spirit came back in, and she, of course, got up. She got up at once, very quickly after Jesus said, Arise. And Jesus commanded her to eat. I thought, This looks familiar. This is what Jesus did to disciples in the upper room after his resurrection. He ate to prove he wasn't a ghost. I have a feeling the same thing was going here. Ghosts don't eat. This child was not dead, therefore she ate. The difference between these two healings, the healing last week and this week, was last week the woman snuck up behind Jesus through the crowd and merely touched his cloak. She didn't ask for for forgiveness or healing. She didn't even talk to Jesus. All she did was touch his fringe on his cloak. She was healed. But this was a big difference. This person came to Jesus, fell on the ground and said, Hey, my daughter's dead. You've got to help her. He did that publicly and begged the Lord to go to his home and heal his daughter, which of course he did.
0: Thanks, Mike. Um, I really appreciate uh, Mike's not only taking a Sunday school class next week, but he's going to be coordinating the service, and we're going to be counting on Reverend George Groves. And this is the first time I've ever had a guest speaker um, provide me with the sermon and man i i just just overwhelmed by the things that he's going to be sharing with you next sunday i think it's one of the best father's day message that i ever read and i trust that you will certainly tune in by way of television or youtube or facebook or make sure that if at all possible you're here and then I think it's going to probably have to maybe trust in, we just found out that Gary and Kathy are going to be gone too. So going to trust that George brings his talented life of some 40 some years of ministry and he can kind of coordinate the service along with Mike and Tina and anybody else that wants to step forward and assist next Sunday. We have a lot of television viewers and radio listeners and Facebook listeners that are really dependent upon um, this form of worship. And I can't help but think of Ethel Demery as she went into a nursing home and how she was really challenged, even at Leeds Square, and then uh, more so recently, and in the apartments here in Robbinsdale and in where she's located now, as she celebrates and they said they're gonna have candles on her cake today. I, I don't think there's gonna be a hundred of them. there probably one for every 10 years or so. That's what they kinda of normally do even, you know, when you get to be 100 years old, your, your volume is not quite as much as it was as when you were 10. So do pray for Ethel and uh, Gary a number of people can't believe that Gary's um, 76. And I i always worry a little bit when he gets too close to the railing up there. I just want to run back there just in case he starts. Oh, he's leaping. He's thinking about <laughs> going over the edge. Amen. Let's just kind of turn and have a blessing on Gary. Father, we bless Gary in Jesus' name, the Gross family, and how much they've meant to all of it, Methodist. We pray that you would grant him certainly as many years as his precious mother of 90-plus, nearly 100 years also. Continue to bless Gary and Kathy as they travel next week and their ministry here at the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I've often in uh, some... um, Sixty-plus years, the first five years of my life, our home was between the Methodist Church and the Lutheran Church in Eagle Bend, Minnesota. And I can remember asking my grandmother, who I spent much time with, why those big red or big um, black cars would pull in or big white cars, and she would tell me that was a hearse. I remember at a very young age going into the Methodist Church just right across the street from our house before we moved on the farm, when I was, when I was five, going over there and seeing bodies in those caskets and wondering, you know, what they were going to do. And then there were times when I'd go and I'd, I'd linger around the, um, the, the church, and the Methodist church was always a lot more welcoming. It was a white structure and there was more lights in it, I remember, and it hasn't really changed over the years. But the Lutheran church was was very high and gothic, and it was always so dark in there. And when you'd come forward to look at a body or so, it just seemed like, you know, they uh, they didn't have the spotlight on it like they did in the Methodist church. But the Catholic, uh, the Lutheran church has sent, since built a, a brand-new um, church. In fact, Chris and I were one of the first... Um, Weddings, I believe, that that they had in that church some 46 years ago. And we chose the Lutheran Church because it was a larger church. And at that time, I was pastoring Bertha at Wrightstown. And, you know, as a uh, as a young pastor in a rural setting, you know, you, I guess you invite everybody from your congregation to the church. And we um, had a large crowd. Do you remember all of those showers? They had like seven showers for us, you know. I think we still have numerous cookware and and just the supportive community that the church has provided for myself. So it wasn't probably uncommon for me when I entered college and I was pre-med to change my major, my junior, senior year to pre-ministry, accelerated my education. I, when most students were taking like 15 credits a quarter, I was pay- taking between 20 and 30. I One time I was taking 34 credits. And some of those classes overlapped one another, so i just alternate dates and times, and I'd get the notes and to try to keep my GPA up if I was going to med school or the ministry. But I always felt at those funerals that I was doing, I, I thought, wouldn't it be awesome? Wouldn't be awesome, you know, to raise a dead person, dead person. As I look back, it was probably more for maybe self-interest or glory rather than giving God the glory. As we see in these verses we have now read, and I don't know how long these glasses are going to last out. I I gave so many people hugs yesterday at Katie's um, funeral. They gave me hugs at... They broke kind of down the center, so I don't want to pressure them too much. And I, I've invested a whole dollar in these glasses, so I don't want to give them up, you know. So i got to be very tender when I kind of set them up on my um, nose, and if you happen to see them break, um, I'll be holding two lenses while I share with you today. But the um, verses that we have now read contain one three. It was three. How many? Three instances which the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost has fit into this record of our Lord restoring a dead person to life. Now, this is Jesus. This was Jesus. Now, the two other instances are those of Lazarus. That was a relative, a cousin of Jesus, Lazarus. And then the widow's son, the widow's son of Nain, that Jesus rose from the dead. Now, some of us have Experience out-of-body experiences, and the body was still probably still warm, but these these bodies were cold, and there seems no reason to doubt that our Lord raised others besides these three. But these three, these three cases are especially described as patterns of His almighty power. Now, most individuals like myself, others that have had out-of-body experiences. Um, once they come back, they, they go through almost a grieving process of wondering why they had to come back, because they had such a glorious experience. They wanted to remain in the presence of the Lord. But for some reason, these three cases are especially described as a pattern of, of God's almighty power through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. One was a young girl. Who had just breathed her last. One was a young man who was being carried, carried to his burial, and one was a man, Lazarus, who had already lain four days, four days in the grave. And even his sister, Mary and Martha, kind of approached Jesus and said, "By now, my my brother stinketh. His body had even deteriorated, and Jesus had reversed the rigamornus and brought." life back into the body. In all three of these cases alike, we we, we seen, see life at once restored, once restored at Christ. Well, let us notice, firstly, in the verses before us, how universal, how truly universal the dominion which death holds over us. Now, some of you, as you looked at that picture of Chris and Katie and Kathy sitting in our lounge at one of the Blessings of the Bikes. He, Tim had not passed away. We had Tim's service here. Tim, the uh, husband of Kathy Thorne. And who would ever imagine that a year later we would be celebrating the life and the legacy of Katie, Chris's wife. Now we see, we see death coming to the rich person, to the rich house. And tearing from that rich person the, the desires of their eyes with a stroke or a heart attack or whatever means of death. And there cometh one from the ruler, the scripture says, from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, thy daughter is dead. So even after the proclamation and declaration that Jairus is Jairus's daughter was dead, such tidings as these are are the bitterest cups which we have to drink in this world. I remember many times, many times that being present at the death of individuals, parishioners, and friends. Even my own father, I slept next to his bed, you know, three nights before he passed away and the nurses brought in pillows and I kind of made a somewhat semi-bed. And then on the fourth night, my brother said, we're gonna leave you, you can take off, you go back and preach because it's Sunday will take over and that night my father passed there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to jesus that thy daughter is dead such tidings as these are the bitterest they're the bitterest cup which we have to drink in this world many of you experienced the death of a loved one and they've they've hung on for longer than they probably humanly could have and they've waited you to, to step out in the hallway or to go home. And the ministering angels took them to be with the Lord. Nothing comes so deeply into one's heart as to part with loved ones and to lay them in the grave. Few griefs. Few griefs are so crushing and heavy as the grief of a, a parent. A parent over a child. A, a spouse over a beloved spouse. Death is is truly a, a cruel enemy, and I can tell over the years that it's becoming more increasingly difficult as I've served older congregations, and, and I'm sure that Reverend Groves, who's going to give you a fantastic message next Sunday, can attest to the fact that as we've served older congregations and and seen so many saints go before us that that many of our friends and almost most of our friends have gone on to glory rather than walking the earth currently. Death makes no distinction in its attacks. Death comes to the rich, the hall, as well as the poor or the poorest of the cottages. Death does not spare the young. Death does not spare the strong. Death is to the beautiful any more than the old, the infirmed, and the, the grey grey haired. And not all the gold, not all the gold of this world, nor all the skill of doctors can keep the hand of death from our bodies in the day of death's power. Now, when the appointed hour comes, it's not like Jesus takes us away, but he receives us. But when the appointed hour comes and God permits death to to smite, All the worldly schemes must be broken off and all our dealings must be taken away and buried out of our sight. Most most of us have endless tasks yet to complete. Bedrooms to clean up, garages to clean out, relationships to take care of, individuals we want to talk to, and then death comes. And suddenly so many other things overwhelm us. But the things that were overwhelming before suddenly take a... A back seat to the cause of death these thoughts are melancholy and few like to hear them and the subject of death is one that that we blink at and we refuse to look at all say it with me all all people think others are mortal but they themselves you talk to a young man or a woman and i almost talk to young men and women daily that i catch smoking and i'll say you know, I really believe that if you take care of your body when you're young, your body is more likely to take care of you when you get old. Why should we not rather look at the subject of death, death in the face, make arrangements? Now, many of you have heard and some of you have viewed my uh, my coffin, who I had built, and currently I use it as a gun case, that my wife and my children or my neighbors are instructed to take all the guns out of the coffin and then just throw me and just flop me into that coffin Um, same day burial you don't need to embalm me or anything and then you know days maybe weeks later have kind of a celebration of life I like to be prepared because God says that he has a prepared place for prepared people why should we not rather look the subject of death in the face in order that when our turn comes we we may be prepared to die death will come to our houses Whether we like it or not, death will take each of us away despite our dislike in hearing about it. Surely it is a part of a wise person to get ready for this great change. Why should we not be ready? There's one, one that the Bible says can deliver us from the fear of death. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5. Christ has overcome death and Christ has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. 2 Timothy chapter 1.10. I realize that at the, the multitudes of people that were at, the, at Katie's celebration of life yesterday that within the next 12 months, and especially an older group, by older I suggest, you know, 60 and above, that 10 to 15% of them will be facing either their own death or their spouse's or their loved one's death. Christ has overcome death. Jesus Christ has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The one that believeth, believeth on the Lord Jesus Christ, hath everlasting life. And through and though they were dead, yet they shall be alive. According to John chapter 6 verse 47 and John chapter 11:25. Let us believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and then death will lose. Lose Destin. Yesterday, we spent some time with uh, after the funeral and at a meeting up at Camp Ripley. And I seen uh, my two son-in-laws, one captain and one colonel, and uh, w- my one daughter who's struggling with um, the Philadelphia virus of leukemia. A truck that they hadn't taken in a while, and and lodged between the door jams was a was a bee was a bee that had a hornet's nest that had built a hornet's nest and she didn't notice that and she opened the door and she got stung by a a hornet the bible says that jesus christ takes the sting the sting out of death and let us believe in the lord jesus christ and death the bible says that death death physical death will lose its sting We then shall be able to say with Paul, as Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, and he writes to you and I today in Philippians chapter 1, 21, he says, to me, to die is gain. Can you say that with me this morning? To me, to die is gain. Can you honestly say that your hearts are prepared to meet your maker, those by way of television or radio or Facebook or other means of communication? Can you honestly say that to yourself to die is gain. Let us notice secondly, secondly in these verses before us that faith, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, love and power is the best remedy, the best remedy in times of trouble. We are told that when Jesus heard that these tidings, that the ruler's daughter was dead, Jairus's daughter was dead, the ruler's daughter was dead, Jesus said, fear not, fear not, but only believe, believe only and she shall be made whole. Now these words, no doubt, were spoken with an immediate, immediate reference to uh, the miracle of our Lord, Lord was going to perform, but we need not doubt that they, they were also meant for the perpetual benefit of the church of Jesus Christ, the benefit of you and I. They were made meant to reveal to us, to you and I, the grand secret of the comfort, the comfort in the hour of need, as as Chris so valiantly shared from the pulpit just a few minutes ago. That secret, that secret is to exercise faith, exercise faith to fall back on the thought of Christ's loving heart, Christ's loving hand, the ministry and the community of the church. In one word, it's to believe. Let a petition for more faith form a part of all our daily prayers. As ever we should and would have peace and seek calmness and, and quietness of spirit, let us often say, Lord, Lord, increase our faith. Can you say it with, this, with me this morning? Lord, increase our faith. In a hundred, a hundred painful things may happen to us every week in this evil world we live in an evil world where the prince of darkness is prince really of this world a hundred painful things may happen to us every week in this evil world and things that we may not possibly even realize that are evil that our ministering angels and holy spirit have guarded us our guardian angels have prevented from our destruction of which our poor weak minds cannot see the reason and without faith we shall be constantly disquieted and without faith we become easily cast down nothing will make us cheerful and tranquil but an abiding sense of Christ's love Christ's wisdom Christ's care over us and Christ's providential management of all our affairs faith will not sink under the weight of these evil evil tidings according to the psalmist faith can can still and Faith can wait for better times. Faith can see light even in the darkest of hours and needs be for the the heaviest of trials. As I witnessed the strength of Chris calming the hearts of many during that visitation on Thursday and then during the the funeral service on Friday, I realized how faith was supporting him. Thank God for Michelle and thank God for Jeff and thank God for the Legion Riders and thank God for his many and numerous friends. Faith can find room to build the ebonizers. The ebonizers in the Old Testament were were things that were coming against certain people that were blindsiding them under any circumstances and can sing songs in the night in any condition. The words of Jesus that he or she that believeth shall not make haste, thou will keep that person in perfect peace, the psalmist says, perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee once more let the lesson be graven graven on our minds if we would travel this road of life if we would travel this road of life comfortably through this world we must believe we must believe and and let us notice finally today finally this pre-father's day as we look forward to father's day celebration i like to celebrate it a whole week should be a whole month But let us notice finally in these verses the almighty power, the um, almighty power which our Lord Jesus Christ possesses even even over death. We are told that Jesus came to the house of this ruler, Jairus, and turned the the mourning into joy. Jesus took by his hand this breathless, lifeless body of the ruler's daughter and called, saying, Damsel, Damsel, arise. And at once, by that all-powerful voice, life, life was restored. Her spirit came again, the scripture says, and she arose straightway. Let us take comfort in the thought that there is a limit. There is truly a limit to death's power. I had planned on preaching this message even before Katie's death and passing. But I thought it would be so appropriate for all of us to bring a sense of comfort Let us take comfort in the thought that there is a a limit, truly a limit to death's power. The king of terrors is very strong. The prince of this world, Satan, Lucifer, angel of light. How many generations death has mowed down and, and swept into the dust those who we have loved? How many of the wise and the strong and the fair have they swallowed down and snatched away in their prime How many victories have they won? How often has it been written, as the book of Ecclesiastes says, vanity of vanities and vanities of vanities and the pride of men and women, boys and girls? Every year as I plan various reunions on Eagle Bend Days, it's always the Saturday before Father's Day. And as I contact the previous addresses, and it's very difficult to contact people anymore, it seems like, No one has landlines. At least it seems like sometimes you get over 65, 70 years old and they have cell phones. And I I get a hold of spouses and they'll say, so-and-so is no longer with us. Close friend of mine, who I rode motorcycle with, just found out here a few days ago, he, he contracted COVID, Howard Spaulding. Won't be at a reunion this year and sat with him and talked with him for quite a while last year. And I'm so grateful that I did. There's patriarchs, there's presidents, there's kings. Sat down with my eldest grandson, who just turned six. He knows all of the president. He knows all the president's middle name. He has them all down, and he knows all about them. You can say, President 23 or 33 or 43 or whatever. I don't know how he does it, but he comes up with all these presidents, and he knows he's memorized all this but all the presidents all the patriarchs all the kings all the prophets all the apostles have all in turn been ob- obliged to yield to death to death they've all died but thanks be unto god there's one that's stronger much stronger than death there's one who has said "O death O death i will be thy plague according to hosiah chapter 13 verse 14 O grave I will be thy destruction. Before the body, before the body cools, we go into eternity, the spirit. And that one is a friend of sinners, Christ Jesus, the Lord. The Lord Jesus proved his power frequently when he came to the earth, the first time in the house of Jairus, the scripture that we read by the tomb of Bethany in the gate of Nain. He will prove to all the world that when he comes again, and I believe that I'll see the second coming of Jesus Christ. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 15:26, the last enemy, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. The earth and the sea shall, the earth shall cast out the dead, according to Isaiah 26:19. And let us leave this passage with the consoling. It's a consoling thought, and it should be a consoling thought to, to Chris and all of us as we were reminded of our loved ones that the things which happened, the things which happened in the Gerarus' house are a type of a good thing, a good thing to come. The hour cometh and will soon be here. And whether we think back on Drew and Darwin and Marilyn's son or our sons, I think of Lane, and other deceased children or parents, the hour cometh and will soon be here when the voice of Christ shall call all his people from their graves and gather them together Depart no more when the soul and the spirit will be reunited with the body. Believing husbands, such as Chris, believing husbands shall once more see believing wives and vice versa, wives their husbands. Believing parents shall once more see believing children. Christ shall unite the whole family, the whole family in reunion where there's no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more death. In that great home in heaven and all tears shall be wiped from our eyes. Father God, with every head bowed and every eye closed and those by way of radio and television this morning, we thank you, O Lord, for your preciousness. We thank you for our local television station and other means. We, we thank you for J-Hop and Robin Childcare that meet here. And we thank you for those who support us financially and in prayer support. And Father, as we prepare to take up the offering, teach us always to pray as you taught your followers to pray, saying together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we turn to our offertory prayer, as we read this prayer together, and as the offering plates I believe, excuse me, are circulated, we'll also turn to our offertory hymn. He leadeth me, O blessed thought, in memory of Katie Larson. But let us first turn to our offertory prayer. Lord of all bounty and blessing, the gifts we offer to you are like seed. Some will take root nearby and we will see them grow and bear fruit. Some will be carried far beyond where we can see, and we have faith that they will find good soil and thrive. We thank you for the privilege of being called to soul, blessed with the joy of good fruit. The seed we will see, and the seed we will never see. We pray this in the loving name of Jesus, gardener and savior. Would you turn with me now to our offertory prayer in memory of Katie Larson, o. He leadeth me, O blessed thought, purple number 128, please. stand for the doxology, please. Holy God above us, among us, within us, we rejoice this day that while you might have chosen to be unknown to us, you have revealed yourself in many ways. Each encounter with you calls us to return blessings with worship, compassion, and service. So when we give this day, we do so in gratitude for all your parental care for us through your creation." When we give this day, we give because in love, you gave us your son, Jesus Christ, that through Jesus, we might find eternal life. When we give this day, your spirit leads your church to reach out in compassion, mercy, and grace to all your children everywhere. In gratitude, we celebrate you. Three and yet one, amen.
2: We talked about life today, and I had a couple of afterthoughts. First one was, I heard it, I laughed. Life, no one gets out alive, but then I thought, Jeez, life is God's gift to us. What we do with it and how we treat it is our gift back to God at any time. Don't ever forget that. Life is our gift from God. How we live it is our gift back to Him.